0: Hello there and welcome to something very different. You are listening to Sideswell School. I'm still Chris Gillibo, but this episode is called Extended Cut, and it's going to be different from all the other daily episodes. So I like the short format of the daily story. We're definitely going to continue that. I know a lot of folks find it very easy to listen to, very actionable, so it's not going anywhere. But a few people have also asked for some more in-depth explanation. So in this episode and occasional ones like this, about once a month, we'll look at a specific topic in more detail. Now, I'm actually recording this live from my room in Johannesburg, South Africa. I've been traveling over the past 10 days, and I've been going on lots of walks while I've been on this trip. And yesterday I was in Hong Kong. I also went on a long walk thinking about this show and everyone who's listening. So if you're just joining in, you may want to save this episode and listen to it later. I don't know exactly how long it'll be. It'll still be focused on a topic, but it will probably be a bit looser than the usual episodes. So you can just imagine that we're having a conversation. And in just a moment, live from South Africa, we'll get underway with a lesson I call the power of observation. So one of the principles behind the show is that everyone wants a hustle or just about everyone, but not everyone makes it happen. So there's this thing out there that lots of people, if you ask people to raise their hands, would you like a side hustle? A large number of them would raise their hands and say, yes, that's me. I need that. I love the idea. But then not all of them, not even most of them, go and make it happen. And I don't think it's because all those people are lazy or stupid. I think most people who want something like a side hustle, but then don't make it happen, I think they run into one of two challenges. And the first challenge is. A lack of ideas, or let's say a lack of viable ideas. They're not sure what makes for a good hustle and how you might identify what a good idea for you might be. And the second problem, second challenge, is the lack of ability to go from idea to execution. So you have an idea, but you don't necessarily know how to make it happen. So in today's extended cut, let's focus on that first issue, that first challenge. Where do ideas come from? The other day, we had a listener question from someone in Estonia and he was asking about validating ideas. That's a really interesting topic, because there are two totally different approaches to validating ideas. And what a lot of people focus on, especially if you look at classical entrepreneurship advice, they focus on the scientific side of validation. And they look at things like using Facebook ads or Google AdWords to kind of test your idea in the marketplace, and some other kind of quantitative based means of validation. Now, there's nothing wrong with that at all it can totally work. But there's a whole other approach. And this other approach is much more creative. And it's much more of an art than a science. And in fact, there is so much creativity in micro entrepreneurship in general, which is essentially what side hustling is all about. So if you've been an artist, designer, musician, writer, any other kind of artsy profession, or even if you just have one of those areas as an interest, you may find that those skills are actually very helpful in building your hustle. And You may have been told otherwise, you may have been told You have to learn this science-based means of validation. And if you've been told that, that's incorrect. There is a whole other approach. And if you haven't been one of those artsy people, uh, well, here's a chance to learn something new, to essentially apply creativity to brainstorming side hustle ideas. So I'm calling this episode, The Power of Observation. And the principle is that ideas are all around us. So today, as I said, I'm in South Africa. And long ago, I lived on a hospital ship that was docked here in South Africa for about four months. uh, But mostly it was deployed to West Africa. And I spent the better part of four years living on that ship, uh, being based in countries like Sierra Leone and Liberia. And I was thinking about that experience a little bit on my walk today. Now, when I lived in Freetown, it was a post-war setting. That country had just emerged from a decade-long civil war. And there was tremendous poverty in that country. But there was also A lot of entrepreneurial creativity. And whenever I hear people talk about entrepreneurship from a Western perspective, Silicon Valley perspective, I always kind of go back to some of the people I met there in Sierra Leone because they didn't know anything about angel investors or boards of advisors, seed money, different rounds of funding, all that kind of stuff. They just knew they had to make a living somehow. And there was no social safety net or state support. And there also wasn't much of a formal economy either. But yet, even though circumstances were difficult, a lot of people did manage to get by to care for their families, provide for their needs, uh, and in some cases, even build for the future. And one of those people I knew was called the Donut Man. Now, I'm sure the Donut Man had another name, but that's just what I knew him as. Because, as I said, I was living on a hospital ship and we would be docked in the port. And we were there about four to six months at a time before we'd go somewhere else. And when we first arrived, after a couple of weeks, Every Saturday on the dock, this guy started showing up. Now, we're not sure who this guy was, where he came from, how he was able to get through security to come to the dock. All we knew was that he was carrying fresh donuts, which were actually quite delicious, and they were available for sale. So somehow the word spread about this guy. And every Saturday, I would go down to the dock and I would spend two or three or maybe $4 buying donuts. And I was really excited about it because. We didn't have a lot of things like that. And before too long, he was doing a pretty good business. And they would even start to make announcements on the ship whenever the Donut Man showed up. It'd be Saturday morning, you're just kind of sitting there and you'd hear this announcement, attention, the Donut Man is on the dock. And then all of a sudden, like all these people stream off the ship, go and buy donuts. So as I said, I don't know the backstory of the Donut Man. I didn't even know his name, which is probably unfortunate, but it's probably fair to make a couple of assumptions. I'm assuming that the Donut Man didn't write a business plan. I'm assuming he didn't have venture capital. He probably didn't take an online course. He probably didn't wake up one day and say, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to have a donut startup. I'm guessing, based on the circumstances, based on what I observed throughout the country with other people who were hustling in different ways, I'm guessing he began his project through observation and then taking action on what he observed. So somehow he had managed to either bake these donuts or to buy and resell them in some fashion. Somehow he had found a way to get through the port. Maybe he bribed the guards with donuts. Somehow he had learned about this crew. Then he became consistent in showing up every Saturday. Like I said, I wish we could track him down and feature him on the show. Uh, But the point is, he just saw an opportunity. He took action on it. So if you consider a few of the stories that you've heard about in the first month of the show so far, you can actually see a lot in common with the Donut Man of Sierra Leone. Episode 8, one of the most popular lessons from the first two weeks, was all about a couple that goes on a cruise vacation and then comes home and creates this little website answering commonly asked questions about cruising, which then became a $3,000 a month or a $4,000 a month side hustle. The week after that, episode 12, there was a story of the Bay Area commuter who builds an app to serve other commuters and make transit data available in real time in an easy to access manner. Lots of other examples. The point is, these four examples that I just mentioned, all these projects came about not because someone did extensive research, but because they noticed something and then they decided to explore it. They didn't have total proof of concept. They didn't do the scientific validation. Again, they just noticed something and then they decided to explore it to see what would happen. And by looking around every day throughout your daily life, you'll see opportunities too. You probably won't be able to take action on all of them, but that's okay. The point is that developing this skill can serve you well throughout life, no matter what you end up doing. And later, we'll look at how you choose between different ideas, how you actually make them happen. But I want to make sure you first understand this power of observation. And if you truly have that, if you've already mastered that, then that's great. You probably don't need to listen any further. But if this is all new to you, here's an exercise. Here's something that you can do starting today. So there's two parts to it. First is start paying attention. Second part is start asking questions. Pay attention, ask questions. Now, I was thinking about this on my trip as I was coming here because I want to make sure that I'm doing the same kind of things that I'm teaching you about. And I was thinking a little bit about my journey into becoming an author, for example. Now, writing books and being an author for me is not a side hustle. It's much more of a career. It's something that I'm very passionate about. I love reading books. I love writing books. I love just about everything about the publishing process. And I would do it even if I didn't get paid for it. But fortunately, I have been able to make a living at it. And one of the reasons I'm pretty sure uh, is because I'm persistent in asking questions and following up. When I first wanted to write a book, it was a lot like a side hustle, like lots of people want to write books, most people never do anything about it. And so I started asking a lot of questions. And I started reaching out to anybody I could possibly find. And I wrote a lot of people who never wrote me back and finally created a relationship with some people who are knowledgeable And then once I had my first book deal, which wasn't a great deal, by the way, I was a first time author and I had to prove myself like everyone else. I spent a lot of time asking questions of my literary agent, of my editor, of the other people at the publisher, asking, you know, why do we do it this way? What can I do to make this a success? What does success look like, by the way? How do I know if I have, you know, first of all, written a good book? But secondly, what does commercial success look like? What are the goals for that? How are we going to mutually achieve those things? So sometimes I say that I've been pestering my publishers for something like eight years now. It's totally true. Like if I don't understand something, I will absolutely ask questions. And if I don't understand the answer, if the answer seems kind of opaque or incomplete, I will absolutely follow up. And I have no problem whatsoever saying, okay, this is the way that you've always done it. But how about this? How about this new approach? And maybe, maybe there's something wrong with the new approach. Like I'm probably missing something here. And sometimes I really am. So tell me if it's not good. But just in case, like what if we tried this? What could happen? And as I said, I know that's a big reason why I have been able to make a living at this career that a lot of other people struggle with. Now, the story of this show came about through much the same process. I tried to pay attention. I noticed that there was a lot of interest in this topic of side hustles. And I had a book that came out called Born for This. And I went on a tour to about 30 different cities. And on that tour, I would give a talk for about 30 minutes. And I would mention side hustles for probably two minutes of that 30-minute talk. And literally half the questions afterwards were about side hustles. And it was almost like I would start talking about something else and people would say, well, wait a minute, can you tell me more about the side hustle thing? And so I noticed while there is major interest in this topic, and it's also something that I'm qualified to speak on. And so then from there, I started asking questions. I started learning about this new medium of podcasting, which obviously has been around for a long time, but was completely new to me. And that's how I ended up creating the daily format for this show, the daily format with no interviews. I didn't see this being done anywhere else. I saw lots of shows about entrepreneurship, lots of resources about, hey, quit your job and jump off a cliff. Isn't that awesome? Saw lots of shows that did interviews with entrepreneurs. And some of those are great. But that content isn't always super helpful. Sometimes it's inspirational, but it's not always helpful especially when your goal is not to be the CEO of a company with hundreds of employees, when you just want to keep your day job, but you love the idea of creating more security for yourself, which again is the whole mission of Cytosol School. So I didn't see this being done anywhere else. And so here we are now. It came about by paying attention, asking questions, noticing that there might be room to do something like this. And was it completely validated? Well, not before I started. I had no idea. And I hoped it would work, but I didn't know. There was no guarantee. There was no scientific method to it. I just had to be willing to experiment and see it through. And as I said, here we are now. So those are my examples. Let's bring this back to you. How can you pay attention and ask questions? What can you observe today in your work, your errands, your daily life, your internet surfing? If at this point you already have an idea, For your side hustle or if you're already actively working on something, explore that idea a bit more. Kind of go back to where you started and ask yourself if you know exactly who it's for and why your idea meets a clear need. And ask yourself what else you can do for it. Make a list of five or ten possibilities. Just write down a bunch of ideas. It doesn't mean you're going to do all of them. I know you're busy, but this process of active brainstorming is very valuable. What can you observe that, as I said, may or may not work. That's part of the process. That's why we experiment. That's why we don't wait forever before we start something. But what just might work? So it's a beautiful day here in South Africa. And here at the time I'm recording this, it's winter back at my home in Oregon. Now where I live, my city doesn't get much snow. So whenever we do, the entire city shuts down. Nothing works, nothing is open. But here in Johannesburg, it's peaceful and nice enough to go for an afternoon run, which I'm going to do next. And then I'll go to the airport and fly on to my next destination. If you've listened this far, let me know. I'll have more extended cuts like this, but not very often, just about once a month, since the daily episodes are the main focus on the show. I don't want to overwhelm you, but I do want to make sure you're learning everything you need to know as we go along to make sure you can actually start that income generating project by the end of the year. If this has been helpful to you, give me a shout out. I'd also be grateful if you'd leave a quick rating or review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Cytosol School exists because of you, and I look forward to serving you with it for many days, weeks, and months to come. I'm Chris Gillibo, and I hope to see you again tomorrow.